Open your Bibles, the book of Psalms, chapter number 85. I've certainly enjoyed the handful of hours that I've had the privilege of being back at the great Clays Mill Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. I thank the Lord for the genuine, the real, the authentic friendship that I have with your dear pastor, my precious friend, Dr. Jeff Fugate. In fact, if you don't like Dr. Fugate, <laughs> I don't like you. And I've so enjoyed being here these handful of hours. Thank you, Dr. Fugate, for the comfortable motel room, the large snack basket, the delicious meals, the warm times of fellowship. I so appreciate tent meetings. I mentioned it this morning. I feel that I need to mention it again tonight. It was many years ago in a meeting just like this that my grandfather, one of the greatest men that I've ever had the privilege of knowing, my grandfather, my mother's father, who I was named after, John DeFalco, under our ministry, received Christ as his personal Savior. And so it goes without saying, tent meetings hold a very special spot, a very special place in my heart. In fact, I never see a tent. I don't care if there's furniture or uh, fine automobiles or folding chairs underneath it, but what I get excited when I see a tent because it was in a meeting just like this that my grandfather trusted Christ. And then look at the size of this tent. I mean to tell you, I've been looking all day for lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. I was wondering while I was preaching if there would be a trapeze artist that would fly through. What a large tent. And what a testimony that here in Lexington, Kentucky, and this tent meeting just says it for everyone to hear again and everyone to understand again and everyone to see again that uh, we believe in the Bible, uh, we believe in salvation by grace through faith, we believe in separation both personal and ecclesiastical, we believe in confrontational soul winning. I mean, it just says it all over again. And I believe that we need to just continue, uh, continuing in uh, hitting the reset button, uh, hitting uh, the restate button, just continuing doing that to let people know uh, we're not going with the drift uh, that is taking place in this day and in this hour. Thank you, Dr. Fugate, again for the privilege of being here. And uh, I'm not even gone, and I'm looking forward in getting back. Book of Psalms, chapter number 85, and I'll take but one verse of Scripture for our text and it will be verse number six, book of Psalms, chapter number 85 and verse number six. And I would invite you to stand with me as I read the word of God. Appreciate those that are watching uh, by way of internet. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in and literally all across the country and around the world, we have folks that are watching. Thank you for uh, viewing and I hope that you'll share this. I hope that you'll like it. I hope that you'll say kind things. In fact, those that are watching, if you send us $5, we'll send you a prayer rug. <laughs> Not really, I've always wanted to do that. Book of Psalms, chapter number 85, and I'll take but one verse of scripture for our text, and it will be verse number six. Psalm 85 and verse number six. Wilt thou not revive us again? that thy people may rejoice in thee. And for a few moments, I want to speak to you on the subject tonight, five reasons, 
I want far reaching revival. <laughs> Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this privilege to stand behind a sacred desk to preach the Word of God. If in my heart I want to be a blessing, but the only way that I can be is if you hide me behind the cross and fill me with the Spirit. Place a hedge around this great church by the blood of Christ to keep the devil and his demons around this great tent from hindering this service in any way. Lord, we rejoice in the great service that we had this morning and I believe the great service that we're having yet tonight. The Lord, we're very mindful of what the hymn writer wrote when he penned, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One come down. And so Lord, we ask that you'd sweep up and down every aisle, that you'd stop at every row, that you'd speak to every soul in every seat, that there would not be anyone underneath this great tent but what they would hear from heaven. And then, Lord, we pray for those that are on the other side of the camera, wherever they may be watching, wherever they may be listening, even months later, years later. I pray, Lord, that you'd work not only on this side of the camera, but on that side of the camera as well. And may you grant us a service tonight that would live long and live large in each and every one of our hearts and lives and souls. Lord, I want to be a blessing. I don't want to waste these people's time. And so, Lord, I need your power. I need your fullness. I need your touch. I pray, Lord, that you'd give us tonight fresh, warm bread from the oven of heaven to feed from. Lord, I ask that you'd bless and protect my precious family as I am away, and that you'd clothe me in my calling. And we'll be very careful to give you all the Praise all the honor and glory, for we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. For over 40 years, this evangelist have, has given both his energy and his effort to be an eyewitness to an epic supernatural event, preaching at least a once a day, every calendar year, traveling around the clock and living out of a suitcase are all the visible evidences that this isn't a passing fancy. Not just to read about the mighty moves of God in the past, but to reach them in the present has been the meaningful fuel that the engine of this ministry has managed to their run-on for many decades. Five reasons I want far-reaching revival. In the book of Psalms, chapter 85, we find the unknown psalmist's prayer for revival. This is one of those rare places in the Word of God where you can take a peek at not just the prayer list, but you can take a peek at a person's prayer. This chapter could be easily or effortlessly outlined like this. The restoration, verses 1 through 3. The revival, verses 4 through 7. And 
the responsibility, verses 8 through uh, 13. It is well the unmentioned psalmist is dealing under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit with the revival that a person sees one's personal reason for more than a surface but a sweeping move of God. Verse 6, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? G. Campbell Morgan, a great preacher and Bible student of yesteryear, once said about our text, yet the imperfection of their loyalty creates the long discipline of sorrow and shame. And the prayer is that God will turn the people to himself. Now the sister verse of Psalm 85, 6 is Habakkuk 3, 2. Every verse in the Bible has a sister verse, and this sister verse would be again Habakkuk 3, 2. O Lord, I've heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known in wrath, remember mercy. Never forget uh, my and yours prayer, passion and plea for revival just may be the vehicle that God will use to bring a powerful revival. Now, if you missed what I just said a moment ago, I, I pray that you'd allow me to say it again, and I pray that we would not miss it, and that is uh, uh, my and yours prayer, passion, and plea for revival just may be the vehicle that God will use to bring a powerful revival. Friend, you and I, those of us that are saved, ought to have some personal grounds for heaven to grant a significant uh, spiritual awakening. Now quickly tonight, I want to give you five. Five reasons I want far-reaching revival. And you may want to take out a pencil and somewhere in your Bible scratch these things down, but my how would be far better if God would take an eternal pen and would write these things upon my heart and upon your heart as well. Five reasons I want far-reaching revival. Number one, I want my God to send it. Isaiah 64, 1, oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. A reason why I want far-reaching revival uh, is because I want my God to send it. In Isaiah 64, 1, the prophet Isaiah tells us that God's divine intervention is the powerful result of direct invitation. No single Christian or single church should ever expect God to move in a mighty way when they really don't mind if he doesn't. The hymn writer must have had this same truth upon his heart. For he penned, there should be showers of blessing. Send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now a refreshing Come and now honor thy word. Showers of blessing, showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops round us are falling. Don't miss it, but for the showers we plead. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, we have felt in our souls not that we may have revival, but that we must have it. He went on to state, uh, uh, but uh, we uh, must draw near uh, to the angel and wrestle afresh uh, with this determination that uh, he, we will not let him go unless he should bless us. 
Friend, you and I ought to know uh, that my personal grounds for wanting heaven to grant a significant spiritual awakening is I want my God to send it. The Bible says in Psalm uh, eighty-six, seventeen, show me a token. That's evidence of both God and good that they which hate me uh, may see it uh, for good and be ashamed because thou, Lord, hast hope in me and comforted me. Breaking news, when the river of revival runs through a church and a community, we won't be bragging on the evangelist, boasting on the crowds that attended the services, or bloviating on the ways we marketed the meeting, but on our bellies shouting what they do around the throne in glory. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing, Revelation 5, 12. You see, a reason that I want uh, more uh, than just a good service uh, and more than just a great day, a reason that I want genuine, real, authentic revival is because simply put, I want my God to send it. For a short while before Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman had passed away, he was addressing a large gathering of preachers when he said, we have there reached the place where one man plays a, a handsaw, another gives a life story, gathering a big crowd, and we call it revival. No, that's not revival. J. Wilbur Chapman said, that is a farce. And you see the reason that I want revival, uh, the reason that it's my heart cry, uh, the reason that it's a burden uh, uh, that I share with Dr. Fugate is simply put, uh, I want my God to send it. Number two, let me hasten. I want my generation to seek it. Psalm 80 and 19, turn us again, O Lord of hosts, cause uh, thy face to shine and we should be saved. A reason why I want far-reaching revival is because I want my generation to seek it. In Psalm 80 and 19, the psalmist Asaph tells us that just one smile from the face of omnipotence can change the whole course of the chosen nation of Israel. But I want, if I may, that small pronoun, us, in this passage to deal with an entire age group, uh, mine, which are called the baby boomers. The baby boomer is born, born between 1944 and 1964. This is the age group that has there caused the end of polio and beehive hairdos. <laughs> Can a brother get a witness? and the beginning of mobile phones and the Beatles. That just happens to be my conviction that Beatles should be stepped on and never allowed to sing. Friend, you and I, welcome to the tent meeting tonight. Friend, you and I uh, ought to know that my personal grounds for heaven granting a, a significant spiritual awakening is I want my generation to seek it. Mark it down. It would be a tragedy uh, if uh, the next generation, hear me now, had to skip our generation in talking about the last great revival. If I go the way of all flesh, 
if the Lord does not return in my lifetime, then I would think my ministry's a failure. I would think my ministry's a washout. I would think that my ministry is a defeat if the next generation, Dr. Fugate, had to skip our generation in talking about the last great revival. Now, there are several things that baby boomers can do, and for that matter, anybody can do, to pursue a powerful move of God. And it may shock you, stun you, and even surprise you, but first of all, get over ourselves. John 3.30, he must increase, uh, but I must decrease. Uh, a thing uh, uh, that baby boomers can do to pursue a powerful move of God is get over ourselves. Me without God is nothing. God without me is still everything. He's still God. And it might do us a little bit of good if every once in a while we realized it wasn't God that got the best end of the deal when we got saved. It was us. In other words, you're not all that in a bag of flaming hot Cheetos. Say amen right there. And most of us are legends in our own mind, not in our own time. And if we're going to have revival, then my generation is going to have to seek it and we're going to have to just plainly put, get over ourselves. <laughs> Secondly, get obviously hungry. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. A, a thing uh, that my generation, baby boomers can do, and for that matter, matter any generation, uh, to seek, uh, to pursue a powerful move of God is get obviously hungry. A take it or leave it mindset never belongs to the believer that experiences revival. Now, I don't know how you're coming out of this coronavirus crisis and now craziness. But let me just be very transparent in telling you, I'm coming out weighing more than I went in. I was sharing uh, with Dr. and Mrs. Fugate uh, uh, and uh, uh, Leah and Laura at lunch uh, uh, that I've had more of Mrs. Hamlin's cooking uh, in the 39 years that we've been married uh, during uh, the quarantine than I had in our entire married life. And I mean, I'm weighing more coming out of it than when I came into it. I told her, I said, babe, now if this is the end of the world, we're going to have snacks. We're going to have, if this is the end of the world, somebody help me preach tonight. We're going to have snacks. One day she was leaving the house and of course my calendar, I mean just the bottom fell out of it. Whole spring wasn't the spring that I had planned. But we'll trust the one who has the better plan. And so one day she was uh, uh, getting ready to leave and, and uh, I, I mean, I'm home and know where I have to go and I'm just uh, at the house and uh, I said, uh, hey, you look like you're going somewhere. She said, I am. I, I said, where are you going? She said, oh, I don't want to bother you. Uh, you're studying, you're praying. I I'm sure there's a phone call or two you need to return. I said, no, I'm good. Where are you going? I'd like to go with you. She said, no, no, it it it's okay. Uh, you just go ahead and stay home. I said, you know what? I'm picking up the fact that you don't want me to go wherever you're going which means now I am going. 
And she said, Dr. Fugate, well, I'm, I'm going to the grocery store, and, uh, and, and really I don't want you to go because I've noticed our grocery bills since you've been home, and the times you go, we get more stuff than when I go by myself. <laughs> you know, if you, get, if you get hungry enough, you'll do anything for a meal. If you get hungry enough, you'll do anything to satisfy that hunger. And I wish that we were spiritually as hungry as so many times physically hungry we are. Oh, listen what my generation can do to pursue a powerful move of God is get obviously hungry. Thirdly, get over our offenses. Mark eleven twenty five, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, that our Father, which also, also which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Uh, a thing uh, that baby boomers can do uh, to pursue a powerful move of God, and for that matter, anybody can do, is get over our offenses. Uh, can I go ahead and preach tonight? Sure, uh, that little boy in grade school shouldn't have pulled your ponytail, but the fact that 30 years you haven't got past it uh, and you haven't given it to God is the reason we don't have great church services. Now I know you haven't given it to God because I read about it on your Facebook page all the time. <laughs> what did we ever do when we didn't have Facebook to complain on? What did we ever do when we didn't have uh, uh, social media to gossip on? Oh, by your head, I'm not closing in prayer. A good thing about the coronavirus crisis is there has been more uh, gospel preaching and less criticism uh, and gossip and, and all that nonsense, uh, more gospel preaching on the internet since the coronavirus in the history of the internet. Well, Dr. Hamlin, you, you don't know what they said. Doesn't matter what they said. Well, Dr. Hamlin, you, you don't know what they did. Doesn't matter what they did. Oh, but, but Dr. Hamlin, wait a minute. You, you just don't understand. I've been mistreated. <laughs> that has to be the most humorous thing that I hear as a preacher when people tell me that they've been mistreated. I wasn't in this world five minutes till a complete stranger hung me upside down by one leg and slapped me for no apparent reason. I came into the world mistreated. Get over it. Uh, what, what book would you recommend uh, uh, for me to read in regards to my hurts uh, and my, my hard feelings? Uh, it's a book entitled Get Over It. It's not very long. You can finish it tonight. Get over it. 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 In the Greek, get over it. Just move on. Suck it up, buttercup. Put your big boy pants on. Put your big girl. I don't mean that. Put your big curl dress on. Get over it. 
Oh, that every single individual that was underneath this tent tonight would realize that the things we can do, my generation, or for that matter, matter any generation, uh, to pursue a powerful move of God. Oh, listen, friend, uh, there, get over ourselves, get obviously hungry, and get over our offenses. The great American... And one of the founding fathers of America, Benjamin Franklin, once said, doing an injury puts you below your enemy. Revenging one makes you but even with him. Forgiving it sets you above him. Dr. Fugate, I don't know uh, if uh, their uh, forgiveness puts us above anyone, but I do know that forgiveness uh, lifts us to another plane, another plateau where we might be able to have revival. I want my generation to seek it. Number three, I want my grandchildren to see it. Psalm 145, 4, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. A reason why I want far-reaching revival is because I want my grandchildren to see it. In Psalm 145.4, the psalmist David tells us that the older generation, grandparents that know the Lord, are to pass down to the younger generation, grandchildren that know the Lord, the divine demonstrations of God. That means on a strictly personal note, the four people on this planet, uh, Madison, Mason, Evan, and Brooklyn, who call me Papa, ought to be able to there observe a spiritual awakening and one that will make uh, uh, the headlines of heaven and the history books of heaven. Friend, you and I, ought to know that my personal grounds for heaven granting a, a significant spiritual awakening is I want my grandchildren to see it. Now, if you don't want revival for yourself, maybe you ought to look down that row of chairs and look at your wife uh, and look at your children or look at your grandchildren or pull out your phone and, and look at the picture gallery of your grandchildren. If you don't want revival for you, then maybe you'd want revival for them. And a reason that I want reaching revival is I want my grandchildren to see it. Back in August of 2019, I was holding a revival meeting in an outside tabernacle at our home church, the Charity Baptist Church in Brownstown, Michigan. After preaching Sunday morning and then a Sunday afternoon service in that tabernacle, on the sin that's got to go if revival is going to come. I noticed, Dr. Fugate, on the front row, uh, our oldest granddaughter, Madison, raised her hand during the invitation asking God to give her revival in her heart that week. After that afternoon service, we went into the auditorium and I had the privilege that same day of baptizing our grandson Mason, who was five years of age at the time that Mrs. Hamlin had just led to Christ. And I'm talking on one 
Sunday afternoon on the front row, I watched where my oldest granddaughter raised her hand and said, Papa, I want God to send revival in my heart. And then I had the privilege of baptizing my grandson, Mason, that same afternoon. Hear me and hear me well. I want my grandchildren. I want my grandchildren. Hey, if I were to go to heaven tonight, I'd be a happy camper. Man, I've seen some things. I've sent some things. Man, I have experienced some things. I've enjoyed some things. But shame on me if it stops with me, if it stops with you, and we don't care about our children and don't care about our grandchildren and don't care about the next generation. I want my grandchildren to see it. Number four, I want my grandstand Oh my, to shout it. Hebrews 12, 1, wherefore seen, um, uh, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. A reason why I want far-reaching revival is because I want my grandstand to shout it. In Hebrews 12, 1, the apostle Paul tells us that the Christian isn't a great spiritual race and that there's a sizable gathering of those in glory that are the spectators. Evangelist Oliver B. Green once said about this scene in the scriptures, many Bible scholars believe uh, that this great cloud of witnesses is composed of those who have gone on before us who sit in the heavenly stadium and behold us as we run our Christian race. Friend, you and I ought to know that my personal grounds for heaven are granting a significant spiritual awakening as I want my grandstand to shout it. You see, I believe up in heaven there's, there's a section of seats where they can see. Say, Dr. Hamlin, I don't believe that. Well, I say this sweetly, kindly, and politely. Doesn't matter what you believe, the wireless is hanging on my necktie right now. <laughs> and I believe that there's a grandstand. I believe that, that with all my heart, Dr. Fugate. And I believe in that grandstand, uh, uh, there's a Tom Malone, uh, there's a B.R. Lakin, uh, there's a Mays Jackson, uh, there's a Carl Hatch, uh, uh, there's a Jack Hiles, uh, there's a Sam Fugate. Uh, I believe in that grandstand, they see us and they shout for us. I read recently that the bleacher creatures are a group of fans of the New York Yankees who are known for their strict allegiance to the team and their merciless, merciless attitude to opposing fans. A prominent aspect of the bleacher creatures is their use of chants and songs. Uh, for the last two decades uh, of the original Yankee Stadium, the creatures occupied uh, sections 37 and 39 of the bleachers. In 2009, uh, uh, the Yankees uh, moved to their new stadium and they relocated the the bleacher creatures and they now sit in section 203 of the right field bleachers. By the way, there's no liquor in that section. And there won't be any liquor in heaven either. 
In fact, there won't even be cough syrup. <laughs> and there they are in Yankee Stadium, the bleacher creatures. And they shout and they cheer and they sing as their team is winning. Wouldn't it be something if in the heavenly section where John R. Rice and Bob Jones Sr. and Mays Jackson and Tom Malone and others sit, would to God they were on their feet high-fiving one another and cheering us on. I want my grandstand to shout it. And then number five and last of all, I'm not done preaching, but my right guard gave up the ghost at point number one. Not only, not only, oh, don't miss it. Not only I want my God to send it and I want my generation to seek it and I want my grandchildren to see it and I want my grandstand to shout it. But number five, I want to say in the July a fifth still celebration of our nation's birthday on July 4th just yesterday. Number five, and last of all, I want my great country to sense it. Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. A reason why I want far-reaching revival is I want my great country to sense it. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, the wise man Solomon tells us that not only a personal but also a national mighty move of God is both needed and possible. This land that I love doesn't have to be known for booze, but Bibles. This land that I love doesn't have to be known for immorality, but integrity. This land that I love doesn't have to be known for homosexuality, but holiness. This land that I love doesn't have to be known for drugs, but deliverance. And this land that I love, hear me and hear me well, doesn't have to be known for empty fundamental churches, but extremely full fundamental churches. And the only thing that's gonna turn our country around, the only thing that's gonna bring back this land, the only thing that's going to give us a a space of grace is not just another meeting and not just another series of services, but it's genuine, real, authentic, old-fashioned revival. Friend, you and I, Ought to know that my personal grounds for heaven granting a significant spiritual awakening as I want my great country to sense it. The Bible says in James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. If I could say one thing to America tonight, if it was possible that one statement 
would be heard from shore to shore and border to border and in every city and every town and every hamlet and every burg. I would simply say if in this nation God's own people just took a half a step in his direction, the tremendous effects of his presence would be felt in every state of the union, literally around this country. Selah, muse on that for a moment. Again, the Bible says, draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. You see, God's step and span is greater than ours. So that means you never get to God. God gets to you. Oh, my that's such good preaching. I can't wait to get back to the motel room and sign that Gideon Bible in the nightstand. God's step, God's span is greater than mine, greater than yours. And if we would just start to head to God, he'd overtake us in coming to us. I'm closing with this. On March 6th, 1799, President John Adams, second president, called for a national day of fasting and prayer for America. He said, I quote, to call to mind our numerous offenses against the Most High God, confess them before him with the sincerest penance, implore his pardoning mercy, through the great mediator and redeemer for our past transgressions that through the grace of the Holy Spirit we may be disposed and enabled to yield a more suitable obedience to his righteous requisitions in time to come. That was the second president of the United States that made that statement. That wasn't a pastor. That wasn't an evangelist. That wasn't a missionary. The second president said that in calling for a national day of fasting and prayer. What presidents in the 1700s knew that people in this 21st century need to know is this country is only great because of God and it's only revival that'll get us back to God. I want my great country to sense it. We have seen from the pages of the Bible why I personally want a sizable spiritual awakening in my lifetime. And I hope and pray that somewhere in the message you just decided to adapt, you just decided to sign on, you just decided to there accept my reasons as your reasons for all of our reasons to have far-reaching revival. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. First of this year, 
would have been the second week of January 2020. I was to fly from Detroit late on a Saturday night to Memphis, start a revival meeting the next morning in South Haven, Mississippi. The Hamlet, my friend, is here. He's choir director of that great church, Clearview Baptist Church. And that night, as I got to my plane seat, sat down and cinched the seat belt around my waist, I pulled out a, about a few gave a three by five card and a pen. And I wrote on the top of that three by five card, five reasons I want far reaching revival. And on that hour and 44, 45 minute flight, when we landed in Memphis, God gave me what I tried to give to you tonight. Five reasons. I want far-reaching revival. Now, we're real good at pointing out the problem. But pardon me, we're not that good at practicing the resolution, the remedy, And as we're at a crossroads in our nation tonight, the answer is revival. Revival in my heart, revival in your heart. And I wonder with every head bowed and every eye closed, and as you're watching by way of internet, you can use that couch, your lazy boy chair, that chair on your deck, you can even pull over the side of the road and use your steering wheel as an old-fashioned altar. But all across this great tent, I wonder who'd lift their hand and say, Preacher, you made the case. You made the case. You made the case. And your reasons have now become my reasons. And you'd lift your hand. You'd lift your hand all over, all over, all over all over, five reasons, all over. I want far-reaching revival. You may be here and not saved. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He was buried for you. He rose again from the dead that you might be saved. And if you're here and you're lost, you'd lift your hand right now and say, preacher, I need to be saved. I don't want to die and go to a devil's hell. You may be out in your car watching and listening, lost, head this way. Get, get to the edge of the tent, tell some kind altar worker, some kind usher, I need to be saved. I promise you, they'll take you to Calvary. But you lift your hand and say, I need to be saved. I need to trust Christ. Preacher, I sure don't want to die and go to a devil's hell. We stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Our sister begins to play. The pastor takes charge of the service.